Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And uh, we are continuing on uh, with the new year. Uh, It's still 2023. And uh, we recently had, uh, you know, in big sort of events and in terms of media news, it's award season, you know, finally kicking off as well. Exciting, exciting as always. It feels like it was just yesterday that award season was here and it's back again. Um, <laughs> you know, time it, is a flat circle. It comes sooner and sooner every year. Um, and it's kind of almost for me getting like Christmas. Like I wish that we could pare it back a little. Um, but say la vie, here we are. Um, there were recently the uh, Golden Globe Awards earlier this month, like January 10th. Uh, and then, uh, just, I think last week or this weekend, there were the, uh, uh, the Critics' Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're officially underway in that sort of time of the year. Uh, dear, how are you doing? I am doing well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's end of, end of last year, end of quarter at my job, so it's all about, you know, getting out all of those, you know... What you really want for Christmas is your end of year statement. Have you, know? you, have you been keeping up with award season? No, not even a little <laughs> bit. This is what I've been doing all day is, is, is printing out end of year statements. Um, I think keeping up with award season would require actually remembering what the fuck comes out in a year. Huh, that's fair. I feel like that would be a part of the job requirements. And I think that, like, for me, um, the these awards almost got tainted by by last year's realization, my own realization, that um, most people don't watch all the stuff. <laughs> you know, how can you truly judge anything on whether or not it is good if you've never watched it? Yeah. You know, and I think that that for me just kind of just sealed it. I was like, oh, well, then then all of this is just some weird mm. joke. <laughs> and, you know, like there's no legitimacy to it. And and I deal with numbers on a regular basis. And so there is no math here. <laughs> this is this is purely uh, flip of the coin shit, I swear. Uh, Lord of mine. Um no, that's that's entirely fair. Uh, I've been keeping up with it tangentially. I, obviously, we haven't watched jointly any of the award shows live. We've watched some of the snippets of the Globes. We haven't really watched any footage from the Critics' Choice Awards. No, honestly, and how do they keep up with all of them, really? Oh, like uh, uh, the actors themselves. I mean, yeah. Is it? Is it? Do you? Do you? Do they make a, a schedule that all of these things have to come out in a certain order so oh, that way none yeah. of them are overlapping? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all have to make sure that you know they book out weekends. Good God! Their people call their people. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, That's what you want to hear? You know, so that way the Globes and the Oscars and all of that don't co or you know clash with each other. And um, I'm sure for some of them, there's a little bit of a historical precedence set as well um and and there's also usually an order you know like typically certain award shows come out before other award shows usually the academy awards is the last one um and that is the oscars mm-hmm. uh and so that sort of um 
I guess, to, uh, an answer to your question. Um, yes, there is definitely planning that goes into it. Um, as far as how the actors keep track of them, there's actually a great clip of Kate Blanchett being told on the red carpet that if, if she wins, it'll be like her fourth or fifth, um, Golden Globe win. And she's like, oh, will it be? <laughs> it's, it's too much. It's too much. And honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. At a certain point, it all becomes just like part of the job. You go, you do a movie you know that it's going to be that type of movie that it's going to come with this type of publicity tour that you're going to have to be a part of. Um, and, and so I think that you definitely at a certain point probably do start to get a little bit white noise to it at a certain point. I've never done anything that I needed a, um, you know, like a tour after I've done the thing. (laughs) No. You know, you know, you quit write, that job, but you still have to come to the holiday party. Yeah. You know, I, I write my book and, and then I have to go and tour and, and speak with my book, you know. I mean, Never done that sort of thing. No, 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 but I don't write, so there's that. Um, no, but it, it's definitely a, a foreign concept. And, you know, you do like for certain things you do, you know, in your year depending on what you've done as an actor, you might have like a big blockbuster where you spend like your entire summer doing world premieres, you know, hyping up, you know, whatever, whatever big blockbuster that you've been in. And then you spend all of your award season, you know, sort of time hyping up this other movie, you know, um, all I hear (laughs) is, is literally politics, people running for political office. Well, I guess you could count the box office as a certain type of voting. What people are and are not interested in. I mean, yeah, but they, again, they, I guess it goes right back to my original point of, like, you gotta watch the shit in order to have a solid opinion about it. No, absolutely. Then go into, like, award season to try and create some sort of, you know, opinion. Um, but moving on, we're not here to talk about award season, not directly. Uh, we are here to talk about someone who is affiliated with award season this go-round, Steven Spielberg. Um, Spielberg, uh, you know, is is currently in contention with The Fablemans, uh, his sort of semi-autobiographical uh, coming-of-age story. And so we've dedicated January to going and doing uh, sort of look back at his early work, you know, the the films that he made sort of right after where Fableman's ends, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And last week we did uh, Duel, which is a great little uh, thriller that he did based on a, on a short story or like a novella. Um, and this week we're instead doing uh, The Sugarland Express, which is a, a based on a true story film. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, I guess without any further ado, we should we should go ahead and, and jump on into it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, The Sugarland Express came out in 1974, so this is just a few years after Duel, which is like 71. I honestly can't remember. Dramatic effect. We're going to consult the notebook. 71, bam, right on the money. There it is. So this is just three years after Duel, and um, 
the premise is a young uh, a woman attempts to reunite her family by helping her husband escape prison and together kidnapping their son but things don't go as planned when they are forced to take a police hostage on the road um it is a screen story by spielberg but the screenplay is by hal barwood and matthew robinson uh and it stars goldie hahn as lou jean uh william atherton as clovis michael Sla- michael Sachs as slide and ben johnson as captain tanner um wait which one was the cop though slide oh is that they just call him slide that's super funny okay i thought he had a first name <laughs> and uh like i said this is a sort of based on a true story film and it has a lot of similar thematic elements or not thematic elements, but it has a lot of similar stylistic uh, and tonal elements of um, Duel, but tells obviously a very, very different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so without any further ado, I'll, I'll hand it off to you, dear. What did you think of the Sugarland Express? Were you familiar with the film in any capacity before this? No, no, I um, I had never heard of this movie before. Um you you bringing it up for this for this episode um honestly i'm not really familiar with a lot of steven's earlier works you know i'm i'm pretty much a blockbuster kid onward you know i i started jaws and that's and that's where the cookie crumbles you know i didn't really i guess know that he had done much else before this you know before that excuse me um and and I I really enjoyed this movie. It's it's a bit all over the place um, when it comes to the narrative, but the main focus is is on this this almost celebritizing of 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 this hostage situation. You know, it captivates the nation of of Texas and probably further outskirts to that. But like, it's definitely the vicinity of of Texas that is really enthralled by this whole story of this 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 mother who is you know, going to great lengths to, to get her family back. And the, and the main journey is, is, is like the description describes, uh, it is getting her husband out of jail. And then they literally go on this, like, just cross country trek of Texas. Yeah. It's another, it's a, it's a road chase, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a massive, uh, you know, sort of days long police pursuit. But it's also so calm you know, is mm-hmm. the funny thing about it, and I think that that's the most um, uh, fascinating part of this film for me, is the fact that this road trip just um, takes so long and has so many stops and is so calm compared to, you know, how we would, would film this today. No, it definitely, um, it was surprisingly... Um... Yeah, it it is surprisingly, I guess, to a degree, meandering, I guess, would be a, a certain sort of phrase for it. Um, you know, it, it gives and takes on the steam of, of how intense this pursuit is or isn't. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I think I, um, you know, you, you fall in love with these these two idiots of a couple who are who are just out here, you know, to get their kid back, um, who's been been taken by by the government, you know, and put in foster care with this other family. And, you know, they're, they're not bright, these two. Um, but they don't care about that because, because it's about family at the end of the day, you know, as, as crazy and as twisted as their story is about, it's a, it's about 
family. And I think that um, that's the thing that really wins people over to their side of it. And honestly, even the, the cop that they kidnap, you know, at the end, he is like, I, there was there was a moment where I was like, homie would just stay with them if that was an option. No, for sure. Like, he, he starts to, um, he really does start to become um, enthralled with, not enthralled, but he starts to, he starts to become charmed by this couple. You know, he starts to, he starts to fall in love with their, their strange sort of, um, folksy idiocy. Um. No, yeah, and there's almost like, a him living vicariously through them to a certain degree where, like, I think that he starts to fall for Gody Han's character and, like, almost yeah. envisions this life where it's, like, them. Yeah, this sort of nice, uh, I think that he enjoys their sort of, um, simplicity to it all you know Mm -hmm. he lives as a cop you know it's this very you know for him comparatively high stakes you know sort of life as he sees it and and i think that he sees a lot of sort of odd whimsy in these people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, that he finds very uh he becomes smitten with it um yeah and honestly like this this movie just has a lot of charm to it as well you know it definitely um I think wins you over in a way that you're just, I wasn't expecting it. Um, I think that this is probably the youngest Goldie Hawn performance I've ever seen. Um, And by gum, Kate looks exactly like her. By gum indeed. Um, But she's, she's great. She's great. Honestly. Cause like, I don't, I honestly can't think of a a Goldie Hawn performance that I've seen where like Goldie Hawn didn't look like the Goldie Hawn of now. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I, I get what, what people see in her, you know, honestly, she's, she's playing this, this, this Southern woman and just like so lovely. And cause like, that's not exact, that's not at all what I think of when I think of Goldie Hawn as a person. No, you know, it definitely, I think takes on, um, a little bit more of this, uh, you know, similar to, to Kate Hudson, you know, this more, um, Valley girl you know, sort of sensibility a little bit more so. Yeah, she's got say. these, she's got these California dreams, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you, what, what did you think of the film? So, uh, Sugarland Express is one that I was familiar with, but I hadn't seen at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I think that the only clips that I had ever seen in, in conjunction with this film were honestly things in related to, like, the intense moments of the car pursuit. Um... Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's one of those movies that, like, and Stephen made Sugarland Express is kind of how it feels for um, how that, how this movie has always been handled whenever um, Spielberg has, you know, come up in a class or anything like that. You know, you, to your point, it's often a hitting of the highlights, you know, Jaws, you know, if you watch Jaws in, in school or something like that. Um and a lot of times it's again just not one that they really pull a lot of clips from you know when they're doing sort of look backs at his career because again they usually do the the big ones in a retrospective and so for whatever reason um well i mean i think i know why um but this one gets sort of overlooked you mm-hmm. know um compared to all the others they'll put in just about anything else before they'll put in they might even put in um kingdom of the crystal skull uh, before they, they put in... Well, it's because it's new. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it's one of his newer things, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not it, it deserves being up on that list. And it's his last Indiana movie. You yeah, know. exactly. You know, it's fresh in people's minds. They've been, they were alive when it came out, whereas this thing, 
You know, it's just a little iffy on whether or not you were alive and watching this thing. Us talking to your parents. You know, it's always, it's always nice. It's a nice grounding force of when a movie comes out, you Mm -hmm. know, your mom being like, I was only eight years old or whatever. It's like, oh, you know, I don't really think about it, I guess, like that. Well, then I decided to go and ask Iris. Oh, uh, interesting. And my my job, I've got a a wonderful coworker. Um, And um, she is, uh, she's older, you know, she's older even than my parents and so I asked her about Sugarland Express and whether or not she had seen it. And she was like, I think I have. And I sort of, you know, explained it to her. And she was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally the, like, the forgotten toys shelf yeah, I know. Of, of Steven's movie. Island of Misfit Toys sort of a movie. Exactly. Um, for me, it's the equivalent of, I've got a great example of another famous director, same exact generation, who has another movie that's kind of exactly like this. He did a little bit of a movie before it. He did this movie. Then he went on and did another movie after it that really exploded his career and allowed him to go on to do everything that made him you know, who we're known for. Boxcar Bertha by uh, Martin Scorsese. It's another romantic crime jo- drama. This one's from 72, so it's it's just a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's about a girl who ends up um, freight hopping in the Great Depression era. Oh, interesting. And so uh, it's right after Boxcar Bertha, um, he, he then goes on and does... Um, Mean Streets. And Mean Streets is one of the things that starts to open up the door for him to be able to do Taxi Driver. Oh, interesting. And then that's that's where my my, my Martin starts, you know, is this right there a Taxi Driver. So um, it's this really similar, interesting, you know, sort of thing that you've got going on here. And again, mm-hmm. like Boxcar Bertha and, and to a certain extent Alice doesn't live here anymore, um, I think are ones that don't get quite as pulled up as often well also you know at the end of the day they're so early on the list i mm-hmm. think that that's the the problem when you have people who have such um extensive careers yeah you know and not like that this movie is bad no or doesn't deserve to be on the list no and so going into it i didn't really have a lot of expectation other than it was an early spielberg film i had just seen duel which um, was better than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And this was a much different movie. This was a oh, yeah, totally, yeah. total different movie, much slower. Um, you really stew with these characters where he had no time with Duel. You know, he has all the time with these people. Mm-hmm. And you do get to learn so much about them on, on this journey and you do really get to bond with them. And at first it can almost be a little bit ambling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really picks up, and once it picks up, it's it's cooking. Um, and it's a really fantastic time. Uh, I actually really, really enjoyed it. I think that Stephen is, uh, he is wonderful at rollout shots of, you know, paramilitary sort of things, you know. And I think it's because he liked watching old war documentaries that, like, Stephen, we gotta roll out some, some troops you know, we're going to roll them out in fashion, man, you know. So That's he right. knows how to he knows how to make uh, the military look like a parade. 
as it as it rolls out. And he well, does the same honestly, thing here with like all of the cops coming into formation as they roll out. You I know? think that that's just a generational thing. You know? Oh yeah, you know, being the the next generation after the World War Two generation. Yeah, and you know, like one of his early films, he was splicing old war footage into it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, he was looking constantly at this kind of stuff. And it used to play in front of movies, to your point as well. Mm-hmm. They used to play war footage in newsreels right before the picture. So, he was constantly seeing this kind of thing. Yeah, um, honestly, it makes sense of, of why he really, you know, at least if, thank goodness he held on to this, you know. <laughs> but the, the motherfucker knows how to do a drum roll, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, the landing party of the, of the hunters in the lost world, you know, mm. kind of thing. Um, he knows how to put on that kind of... Um, you know, bombastic grandeur. And he does it here to great effect. You know, it's simpler, but you see all the roots of him knowing how to do the, the right shots for the rollout, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he has the great sensibility of chaos and fun and wackiness to a certain degree. Um, you know, you can definitely also, I think, see where some of this movie goes on to inspire another generation of filmmakers, honestly, you know, with like the Coens and, and, um, to a certain degree, Wes Anderson, um, Mm -hmm. where I think that you can see some fingerprints of this movie and some of the sensibilities of their storytelling. No, I think that that's totally fair. Um, and so for me, I actually really, really enjoyed it. I don't think that it's like a perfect movie. I think that I actually still preferred, um, you know, some other movies that he's done, obviously. But I I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this movie by the end of it. Because I also wasn't sure early. Early on, I wasn't sure. But by the end, the movie sold me. Yes. Yes, I think that that's totally fair. Um, Honestly... This movie really kind of grabbed me from from the, from the beginning, you know. This, because of Goldie. Well, yeah, a little bit. You know, she's she's this like Spitfire energy in this film. It's it's really just lovely to watch her, um, you know, just have fun. And this was just so out of type for her for me. And it's just you know, I I felt for this character mm-hmm. a lot in a in an honest way. Um, this 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 fight that this this mother was taking but also th- there was this was the life that she wanted you know them driving through these towns and people giving her things just because you know and like because she asked for it or didn't you know this this once in a lifetime opportunity to be the most important person and sh- you can see it on her face that like nobody has ever treated her like that mm-hmm. and and this is just something to be treasured and when everything you know, hit the, hits the fan. It's, it's, it's such a heartbreaking moment to, to watch. Yeah. I think that it has this, especially more so what's really interesting is I think that a lot of Steven's earlier films and all of his films do, but I think definitely his early films really live and breathe on a lot of cynicism, Mm. you know, very, very directly duel this toxic interaction on the road this personified figure of this you know menaced truck driver and menacing truck driver um you know this this man whose whose manhood is challenged by everything finally you know getting to the point of of 
conflict that becomes deadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then you move on to this, and you've got the injustice of parts of the of the criminal system and and the social work you know sort of cycle and um you've got some of the cynicism of the 15 minutes of fame Mm -hmm. you know and the glitz and the glamour before calamity um spectacle yeah uh and i think that it's it's really fascinating you know how he ties it all together and he he does give an ending that is is honest to the story that um you know certainly doesn't shy away from it and you know even S- Stephen today i think for the most part doesn't really pull punches with endings um you know if he wants to make it sad he'll make it sad um and i think he really knows how to strike a tone and ultimately i think that the audience character to a degree um, is both of the cops, um, kind of, Slide and Captain Tanner. Mm-hmm. You're falling in love with them as you're Slide, but then you're also Captain Tanner going, there's no way that this is going to end well. No, yeah, there's still checks and, and balances. And he's constantly doing everything he can to de-escalate it, to make it not have a bad ending. Mm-hmm. But the entire time... He's sitting there just like you are going, this is fun, but it's not going to end well. Yeah. Uh, And I think that he knows how to really do fantastic plate spinning with that. And with with those sensibilities and those emotions. And I think that he, I think he seals it off well without also being fatalistic. No, yeah, honestly, like, um, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think that this movie just, oh, I, I love the, like, magicalness of it. You know, this, this, because at the end of the day, it is very honest and true and, and, and real. But it also has this, this, this otherworldly quality to it of, of, you know, when it's, and when it's good, everything's going good. You feel that good. You know, it's, it's good for everybody. And, it's, and when it hits the brakes. Yeah, you know, it's you get your teeth kicked in. Um I'm 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 I see where 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 a lot of other Steven movies come from from this, but I think it's fascinating that like we remember this man so so fervently on like Indiana Jones. Mhm. You know, and like the first one, great. Second one, garbage. You know, it's it's really like a amazing like a swing and a miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you know I wonder for him as a as a creative where where um where did it go awry? You know, you had a you had this good base. You know, you're doing this. You you done dual. You know, which is the which is honestly at the, at the end of the day the step before this. It's got. Much yeah. less dialogue. It's got much less character interaction. We've literally got a character. But we're recognizing all of the chase elements, and we're finding ways to escalate it and de-escalate exactly. it. Exactly. You know, we're we're learning how to drive stick, but we're not on the open road yet. And like this is like the next step. You know, we we've got more characters that we're dealing with. We've got um, you know, uh, a more complex story happening. 
and then and then you know we go into to doing you know the the classics the 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 jaws era et literally jaws is next <clears throat> yeah close encounters of the of the third kind and then and then we get all the way down to like kingdom of the crystal skull you know what was going what, what was going through your head right there because then a few years later you do Jurassic Park and that's fantastic you know do are you no, no last crusade is there then he does Jurassic Park kingdom of the crystal skull is here oh oh i was just transposing movies right there that's fine that's fine that's fine i'm thinking of temple of dune it's right before the color purple he has to do like a stinker right before doing something good um well it's funny that you mentioned that because you know 1941 is his um acclaimed failed comedy film it was a it was a world war one era sort of comedy uh starring belushi and Aykroyd. Um, written by Zemeckis and uh, Robert Zemeckis. It's it's one of his big all time stinkers. Like this one is a wah, wah, sad yeah, trombone. Yeah, and then we've for, got Raiders um, of the Last of the Lost Ark. I think that that's so fascinating. How it's it's just this like up and down. He's almost M Night Shyamalaning all over the place. You know, like. Mm. Um, and he's you know to your point, he is really remembered for the big things, Ready Player One. West Side Story, um, you know, Indiana Jones. But in between all of that, he also does have, you know, all of his random, of course, historical films. Amistad. Um, Lincoln. Uh, the Color Purple. So he really does oscillate into all of these places, but he never really does anything, in my opinion quite like the Sugarland Express again. No, yeah, it was just really pure and honest, and I think that's because he was so young doing it. Where, like, you know, we got all the way down to him doing the BFG, and I think we've, like, officially lost it. The BFG is one of Steven Spielberg's worst movies, can't confirm. I've seen it. Yeah, me too. It was terrible. Yeah, it's one of his worst ones. And you can't, you can't tell me, you can't tell me that it doesn't stand for big fucking guy. (laughs) that's right um and so you know he's he's an interesting director and and to your point i do definitely see where he goes with this um i think that this is also um uh, a good time to bring up that i think that it should be brought up at least very briefly um that he does of course know how to tell a good story it is based on historical events we play fast and loose you know the names are different as well uh, our real life people are lou jean poplin uh, or are excuse me lou jean poplin and clovis michael poplin are in real life uh ill holiday slash dent uh and robert bobby dent um and slide is j kenneth crone um, in real life, uh, there was no prison break. Um, and also, um, in real life, the, the husband is shot and killed outside of her parents' house as they stopped to visit children that she had from a previous marriage. Copy. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Hold on. That name was fantastic though. We've got to go back to it. Um, 
Illa? Isla? Isla. Isla Faye Holiday. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Those people knew how to play a joke. Play for the back of the, of the audience right there with that one. Amazing name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's some of the, the real, you know, event there. Um, for me, some of this story made me think of, um, like I said, Raising Arizona. Yeah, yeah. And Raising Arizona leans much more into, like, the farce element of the idea. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is definitely telling it honestly. Uh, I think that and, this... And sincerely. There's a... There's a Natalie Portman movie that I can never remember the name of, um, but it's like early Natalie Portman, just after her being like a teenager, where she's this pregnant woman um, who ends up like living in a Walmart for a time. And this movie kind of reminds me of that because Mm. it's this, you know, it's Southern sensibility to it. You know, it's, it doesn't have, it doesn't have really a lot of places to go very urgently. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, this is, um, how this film is for me, you know, they literally have a, it's such a huge car chase that's Mm -hmm. going like 25 miles per hour at some points, you know, it's, it's almost a parade. Uh, you, you bring up that sort of slow ambling Southern sensibility. I equate that also to Logan Lucky. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. The slowest heist. <laughs> Kentucky Fried heist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that that one for me also is, is another, and I think that I think that you're spot on with that sort of um, analysis. Um, if you had to rate uh, Sugarland Express out of five, what would you give it? I'm gonna give Sugarland Express a four. Um I think that this movie has a lot of charm, mm-hmm. um, and I think that there are some really top-notch performances in this film. Um, but also, I think that this movie has a lot of just people doing people stuff for a really long time, to the point where you almost get distracted by all of that, and you forget why they're on this journey in the first place. You know? Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, for me, I just, I don't know if this movie is perfect, mm-hmm. but I think that this movie has a lot of heart. I think that's fair. Uh, I'm going to go with a, a 3.75. Oh my gosh, wow, you're really dividing it down. Oh yeah. Um, I liked it. It won me over, warts and all. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Is that it? Is that yeah. all you have to say about it? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> you really paused, and I was like, yeah, he's got more to say. All right, never mind. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um, no, uh, to give an earnest final, final note, I suppose. For me, this was also kind of like, um, even though Duel was his first movie, you know, it was released theatrically internationally, it was on TV, this was his first movie in a theater. And for me, it kind of has that bottle rocket sensibility. I know where this director is going. And so co- going back and, and seeing this as like his first, you know, sort of big theatrical release, um, it's fascinating to to see because it does have everything that that Stephen you know is going to use moving forward this is the beginning of his relationship with John Williams 
And it does have a very good John Williams score. You know, it, and it does properly sound like a John Williams score. Um, even all the way gonna, back then, you know. He was never going to slack on it. An icon. Um, and so, one of a kind, folks. One of a kind. Mm-hmm. And so I, I truly love this movie for, I think, um, how, how much it makes the characters just likable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how it does everything that it wants to, I think, very successfully for the most part. Um, and, and I, 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 I think that all of the positives about this movie definitely outweigh a majority of the of the negatives. That's right. By point two five percent. No. <laughs> listen, listen. Um, my show, my rules. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. You tell the people what's what. Uh, I guess with all of that said, I did want to, of course, talk briefly about, like I said, award season. Um, we've got a few, not terribly many. But a handful of um, differing opinions on on some things in in regards to the Globes and the Critics' Choice. Mm-hmm. A lot of our acting awards are the same. Okay. Austin Butler, Elvis, Kate Blanchett, Tar, Colin Farrell, the Blanch, uh, the Banshees of Inisherin, the Blanchettes of Inisherin. I'd watch I mean... that movie as well. Um, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, everything everywhere all at once. He Kwan, everything everywhere all at once, and Angela Bassett, in in what I would consider a surprise, but I haven't seen the movie Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Um. Then of course you move over to um, Critics' Choice. You still have of course Kate Blanchett, Ki Hai Kwan, Angela Bassett. Um. But then one of the big change-ups that you have is uh, Brendan Fraser for The Whale Mm -hmm. over Colin Farrell. Um, One of your change-ups also in the the two is the Golden Globes for Best Director went for Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, uh, and they went for The Daniels. Uh, for everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, they also differed on best picture. I'm sure that you can assume that, uh, given that they went for everything, everywhere, all at once with best director, they also did for best picture with the critics' choice, and they did. Um, but the Globes went for the Fablemans for drama, and the Banshees of Inisherin for comedy. Now, how much of a comedy that movie is? <clears throat> I guess really depends on your <laughs> definition of comedy. Yeah, and I feel like that's a very flexible, perhaps, definition. I mean, I've, I haven't seen the movie, you know, I don't know how, get... how funny it, it's supposed to be. I know, that we, I know that we put some Martin McDonough things into comedy, most Martin McDonough things into comedy. But, like, in Bruges only barely clears the line for me of being a comedy. No, because it's too busy being a Scrooge story. Um, and so I think that it's interesting that, that this one ended up clearing that, that, that line. 
um, for for people at large, I suppose. Uh, and for drama, they went with the Fablemans, which um, I understand why, but I think it's also again a little bit surprising. Um, but everything, everywhere, all at once was in comedy, and they went with that for comedy. So who knows? Maybe in in larger undivided picture races, everything, everywhere, all at once is going to end up being, like, uh, more of a winner, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, I think that it was truly just, like, this, you know, spectacular kind of film, you know, that yeah. really stuck out for people. Um, in a really funny thing about the Globes going into the Critics' Choice is that, um, several attendees at the Globes ended up catching COVID there, and then we're unable to attend the Critics' Choice Awards. That's what happens when you don't wear masks on a mass- on a maximum scale. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, thousands of people, you know, with those sorts of events. Um, yeah. So, so who's, who's, who's got COVID? <laughs> um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep. Uh, uh, Colin Farrell. Yep. Uh, I guess it's good that he, he didn't win. He wasn't missed on stage. Oh, stop. (laughs) Um, But that's a little bit of what's, you know, sort of shaping up to be uh, the season so far. I'll be curious to see where where some other things go. Um, You know, Critics' Choice, I don't know, take or leave, I guess, in my opinion, their level of of sway. But but who am I to say Uh, that was a rhyme? It was. And I did it just in time. Um, <laughs> Nailing it. Nailing it. Thank you. Um, I think that's just about everything that I have for y'all. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, next week, because the show has already done um, Jaws, we will not be doing Jaws. If you want to listen to our Jaws episode, you can go and listen to it independently. Um, we also reviewed Flipper with that episode. Yeah, and The Shallows. Yeah, that's right. It's a trifecta of sharks. Yep, yep, yep. And guess what season it's in? I won't tell. <laughs> Spoiler alert, winter. Um, <laughs> that's right. So... Uh, With all that said, we'll catch y'all next week for another Steven Spielberg episode. Um, Dear, do you have anything that you would like to to tell the dear people? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Our cat has been very, very much not deciding on whether or not he wants to be in. (laughs) And, And it's been a very big distraction this entire recording. That's just a little behind the scenes stuff that's been going on. <laughs> it's a battle with our with our anxious cat. Literally. Of whether he like, wants to be inside. He's like, I don't. Or but outside. I do. But I don't. Or inside. And it's been it's been it's been it's been getting worse since the recording is gone. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my, my little It's my like little a haunting contact. escalating. Like, honestly. Um He's my La Llorona. That's um, right, he's the crying woman. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's our cat. Um, but that's 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 it, you know. Um, what Steven Spielberg's movies do you like? The Only the big ones? Or do you like some obscure shit? You can tell us if you hit us up on social media or via email. Uh, 
links down below at thefilmbuds at gmail.com, etc. Um, you've got you've got fingers google works um <laughs> you know you know uh and next week um because i don't believe that we've done close encounters i think that'll probably be next okay I think tbd we did do close encounters tbd i think we might have i think we might have as well um, who knows? Maybe we'll do the flop do Maybe we'll do 1941 itself. Let's ah! see. Let's see Steven at his worst. Ooh. Um, I think that sounds exciting. Uh, yeah, it does. So we'll catch you guys next week. Uh, stay safe out there. Uh, be good to everyone. Um, New Year's resolutions are, are silly. Don't beat yourself up if you, if you, if you lapse up on it. Just worry about being better little by little every day. Ooh, that one was better than mine. Good job. (laughs) Gold star for you. Uh, We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye!